taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress. To the city point, giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test. You know he's the one, yeah. Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress. To the city point, giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test. You know he's the one, yeah. Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress. To the city point. Give him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test. You know he's the one, yeah. Um, I want to look at Proverbs 22 and 7, and I also want to look at uh, 3 John uh, chapter 1, verse 2. It says the rich, uh, so the first one is um, Proverbs 22 and 7. It says the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. I also want to look at uh, 3 John chapter 1, verse 2 from the English Standard Version. It says, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. And then look at it from the New King James Version. It said, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So kicking off a new series today called A Cash-Only Christmas. And and the the sermon series is going to be all about pushing us to reimagine how we spend our money during Christmas, right? That we don't allow ourselves to go into debt. So it's a cash-only Christmas is the title of the series. The title of today's sermon is Why They Want to Stick You for Your Paper. (laughs) Bow with me in a word of prayer. Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you today for giving us the chance to come together to hear your word. I thank you for the chance to preach your word. I pray that you will preach through me to these, your people, in a way that is real and relevant. Help us be better than we were when we came. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why they want to stick you for your paper. On Biggie's Ready to Die album, there is a track titled Warning. Uh, In the song, Biggie describes learning of a plot that is against him. Uh, Specifically, this plot that is against him is a robbery plot. Uh, The chorus of the song expresses his frustration at the attempt to undermine his success and ability to thrive and prosper, and he raises a rhetorical question. Dang, why they want to stick me for my paper? Uh, This morning, hopefully nobody has a scheme in the streets against them to rob them of their paper. But may I suggest to you that there is a plan, a strategy to take your money to stick you for your paper through debt. Uh, That money that you hustle hard for every day. Uh, That uh, money uh, that you keep that laptop open way too late at night to earn. Uh, That money that you earn by giving up some of your weekends and by grinding even when you are tired. That hard-earned money, finance companies are trying to stick you for that paper. Uh, The only reason that it is my business is because I, like John in this passage, want you to prosper. I want things to go well for you just like your soul prospers. In other words, my desire, just like John, is that you don't just be blessed in your spirit and then exploited financially. And so that is why I want to push us this season to enjoy Christmas, 
to go out and be merry, to shop till we drop, uh, to get the gifts for others and for ourselves that we want to buy. But I want to push you that while you're doing all of that to leave the credit cards at home and make it a cash-only Christmas. I want to share with you three reasons why you ought to make it a cash-only Christmas, and I'll do it from these two passages that we've looked at today. The first one is the one from Proverbs. Uh, Now, Proverbs, the Proverbs are part of what we call wisdom literature. Uh, It is a specific genre of writing within Scripture. Uh, These are the books or the collections of writings that are meant to give us some wisdom, some insight, to communicate to us some wise things about the way that we ought to live. And so when we're reading through Proverbs, we are effectively learning wisdom's way or the way that one should live if you want to be wise. Some of the writings seem a bit disjointed. You'll be talking, the Proverbs writer will be talking about subject A, and then all of a sudden skip to subject J, and then all of a sudden skip to subject D, and it seems to be all over the place. But if you read it thematically, there is a theme of wise sayings. And so when we get to Proverbs 22 and 7, we are looking specifically at a wise saying regarding economics and the organization of society. The writer sees thousands of years before our time, and what he sees actually remains true today, that the people with the money always end up being the people that hold the power. He says that oftentimes they use it to rule over the people that ain't got no money and in turn don't have no power. And so the Proverbs writer is effectively giving us some game. He is giving game to everybody else, to the people who are not the rich. He is giving game to those that are often exploited, essentially giving the reader some game, some watchouts in navigating your economics. The writer gives this wisdom to them and says, y'all need to recognize that debt can be a tool of bondage. And so that's the first thing that I want to look at from the text. First of all, that debt can be a tool of bondage. In Proverbs 22 and 7, the text says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Uh, The language here is interesting, and it is intentional. If you look at the passage, about half of them, half the translations translated as slave, half of them translated as servant. Either way, whether you are translating it as slave or servant, the concept still remains the same no matter what the translation. Borrowing effectively shifts the power dynamics of a relationship and it places a person who borrowed the money in a servile position to the one that lent them the money. Not only is it an unspoken shift in power dynamic, but may I suggest to you that it is also a legal shift. You see, when we borrow money, we are effectively legally obligating ourselves to pay that money back to the one that loaned it to us. And there is legal recourse against us if we don't pay that money back. Part of making this a cash-only Christmas is so that you don't allow Christmas to make you give up your power. Let me park there for a second. I want to see my... ...that it stops right here. Yesterday is today. The things that I did 
I did, but today starts a new thing. And I'm not going to allow the Christmas season to add to it. Let me also say that if you have, that if you are a person that has to use debt to survive, I understand it. And this is not to shame a person that has to use debt for necessities, to buy medication, to pay bills, and to feed my family, and to put a roof over my head. I'm talking about Oculus 2. I'm talking about going to Jared to buy diamonds. I'm, I'm talking about... I don't know the toys place. It was Toys R Us when we were growing up. I don't know where they go now. Maybe just Amazon catalog is what we get in the mail. It, it, it is, those things are not necessities. Y'all, what I found by functioning on a cash-only basis is this. That budget hits very differently when it's real cash <laughs> out of a real account. You could be a little loose with it when it's on credit cards. But when it's real money out of a real account, 500 is 500. $1,000 budget is a $1,000 budget when it is real money. Don't, don't let debt thwart your ability to thrive. Can I paint a picture for y'all real quick? What if it all stopped right here, the debt thing? And what if committing to only spending cash for Christmas started you on a journey to paying off all of your consumer debt? What if that happened? And you paid off all of it. How does that feel in your body? All of it gone. Paid off. Imagine that. That feels good. It, it, for some of us, it feels like a weight we didn't even know was on our shoulders that we walked in here with this morning, but all of a sudden, by imagining it, the weight was just lifted. Imagine that. Let me keep painting, though. W what could you do with all that principal and interest that you are no longer paying each month? What could you buy? Who could you help? How could you invest? How much could you save? How could that money grow? How could that change your life? How could that change your children's lives? How could that change other people's lives that you care about? What impact could you have on organizations and causes that you care about? Would you change jobs? Are you only working where you work because of who you owe? Are you not pursuing dreams and callings? This ain't even on the paper. It's just the Holy Spirit talking now. Are you not pursuing dreams and callings because of who you owe? When this picture got painted for me years ago, I got hungry and I wanted it. And on the other side of it, I can tell you, it's possible. It is possible. I have walked this walk so that I can talk this talk, and I have seen others walk this walk in the congregation, and now they are talking this talk. Where's Patricia at? Maybe Patricia is streaming. Patricia walked this walk, and now she is talking this talk. It's possible. Let me say thirdly and finally, you shouldn't let them stick you for your paper. 
Because that bondage is the antithesis to Christmas. So Christmas is the story of God entering the earth, the world, through Jesus Christ, right? Jesus Christ, right? Let me tell you a little bit about how God entered into this world that God entered into. When God entered into this world 2,000 years ago, he was king, but did not enter through human nobility. I don't know why he decided to do it that way, but that's just the way that God did it. The, the earth belonged to him and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. But he did not enter the world through a family that had many possessions. He, he was not born in the halls, of, halls or houses of power. He was not born in the halls or houses of privilege. No. He wasn't born there. Not, not in that place where the powerful and privileged pass down their power and privilege to their children. He was not born there. Instead, God came into the world 2,000 Christmases ago on the other side of the tracks. Yes, God was born, to use the words of Dr. William Augustus Jones, in the ghetto. Not, not where the rich and powerful live, but where the rich and powerful exploit. He was born among the masses. He was born among the multitude who were exploited and extracted from daily for their labor, for their land, and for their meager possessions. That's where God was born. They were under the oppressive hand of the Roman government. That, that Roman government who had these tax schemes and enforcement by occupying soldiers and by schemers like, for, like people like Zacchaeus who would go and extract as much money and land from people as they possibly could. That's where God was born. Yeah, that manger in which God through Jesus was born in is symbolic of the living situation in which he dwelt. It was a place not suitable for human beings, only animals. Nazareth, Galilee. It's no wonder why people would later ask that question, can anything good come from Nazareth? It's like saying, can anything good come from Gary, Indiana? Can anything good come from Robbins, Illinois? Can anything good come from the west side of Chicago? Can anything good come from Inglewood? Can anything good come from Southside? This is where Jesus is born. It's what God manifests himself through. Yes, God was not born into the earth through nobility and power. God was born into the earth to people who were in the struggle. But hear me well. This struggle that they were in was not merely a feature of unfortunate circumstances. That Their struggle was not because they didn't work hard enough. It wasn't because they didn't possess family values. Their struggle was largely because of the social and economic arrangement of the society in which they lived. It was structured this way intentionally by Rome. And Rome had the power and the military brute force and the complicity of the religious institutions to enforce it. And so Jesus, when he grows up, when he starts his ministry, Luke chapter 4, y'all have heard me preach this ad nauseum. He goes in, his first sermon is an explanation of what his ministry is about, and what does he say? Luke chapter 4, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, 
He has anointed me to proclaim freedom for the captives, to liberate the oppressed, to liberate the poor. In this, Jesus communicates that his good news is about the poor and about setting the oppressed free. Yeah, this paradigm shift that Jesus envisioned through his ministry would cause those that were born in the ghetto like him, that were under the thumb of these systems of oppression, that they would no longer live oppressed. And so I want to suggest this to you this morning, that to intentionally entangle ourselves in a system of debt and bondage and exploitation specifically as a means to celebrate God coming into the earth for the purposes of tearing down systems of oppression and bondage and exploitation is the antithesis of what the whole thing is about in the first place. To put it short and plainly, it is like celebrating Juneteenth by serving on a plantation. To put it more bluntly, it is like doing voluntary slavery for the purpose of celebrating liberation. Yeah. I understand that some people are performative like that. But I need to push you and remind you that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And so this Christmas season, when you are in the store and about to pay for your stuff, And the clerk, the checkout clerk, asked you if you would like to save 10% by opening up a store credit card and putting this purchase on that account. I need you to yourself like Biggie. Damn, why they want to stick me for my paper? When you are online and you are about to check out with these purchases, and you know how they have the afterpay thing? This is how much you got to pay right now. But you could pay nothing today and pay $22 for the rest of your life. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it gets tempting to just for stuff that your kid's going to break by Valentine's Day anyway or stop playing with it and forget they even got until another kid comes over and start playing with it, now all of a sudden they want to fight over it. It's going to look real tempting to do it, but I need you to think, man, why are they trying to stick me for my paper? Y'all, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I work hard for my money. I don't know how y'all earn yours. I don't know if you just, on Facebook, I work too hard. I'll seen right there. <laughs> they're watching. They're, they're watching. It's going to come up in performance review. Y'all, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. I mean that about that argument. How are we going to celebrate Juneteenth on the plantation? How are we going to do that? Set yourself a budget, cash. If you got to sac- if it's that important to you, sacrifice some stuff. No Starbucks, no eating out for lunch, whatever. 
If it means that much to you, but don't borrow to do it, not for Jesus' birthday. For your, if you want to buy gifts for other people for your birthday, do that. For Jesus' birthday, let it be cash only. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for giving us uh, just a chance to look at your word, a chance to be challenged, um, hopefully in new and inspiring ways, to think differently about how we consume and what we use to consume. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will allow us to experience freedom this Christmas and stick to cash only. I pray for my brother, my sister, my sibling who genuinely wants to get on the other side of debt. I pray both for, I pray for willpower, but I also pray for favor. Oftentimes it is this one thing or another thing that keeps us perpetuating this cycle of debt. We need your favor to just calm some storms in our lives for a moment to help us get on the other side of this debt thing, to no longer be in this position of the borrower, but to cross over and to become the lender, the giver who does not exploit, but who helps. Help us make this shift because we know that it has generational implications. It being well with us mean that it is, means that it can be well with our children or future children or our children's children, our nieces and nephews, those that we care about, the causes and institutions that we love, it can be well with them if it is well with us. Help us to make this shift in the name of Jesus. Amen. Oh, 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 yeah.